All right, well, welcome to the latest episode of the Columbia Basin Conservative Institute podcast. And I uh, want to wish Ken a happy 4th of July again, because we're a few days late here. And uh, unfortunately, we had an episode where we recorded on 4th of July with fireworks going in the background, beautiful view of the Benton City skyline with the fireworks show from uh, my window. And unfortunately, that episode was lost lost to uh, the annals of history, but um, we're going to record here and maybe we will uh, touch on some of those issues that we uh, unfortunately lost uh, in that that last recording, but uh, a lot of gubernatorial news to discuss today. I'm sure we'll get to those uh, topics again in the future, Um, but uh, big news coming out of Washington State with a uh, new candidate. Is that right, Josh? I think... uh, well, one jumped in, one jumped out. Yeah, that's right. And so we did talk about this quite a bit in our 4th of July episode because it was, um, you know, not exactly a secret at that point. But Dave Reichert, former sheriff of King County and a former multi-term congressman has, well, soon to be officially announcing, but um, he filed with the PDC. He's got all the social media up there and uh, stories have been done. And so, so he's in. Yeah, which is um, is exciting news for Republicans, conservatives around the state. Uh, we talked about this last time, and that'll be the last time we mentioned last time. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, we, we talked about this before, and, and really, of the folks who have entered in on the right side of the aisle so far, and this, and I'll throw the caveat in now that, of course, anything can happen. Um, but if you're a, a betting person, You'd probably have to put your money on Rikert being the best chance for Republicans and conservatives to possibly finally take back the governor's mansion in Washington State. Well, absolutely. And so I think what was a crowded field, and I guess at this point still is, it seems pretty likely that this could be a Rikert versus Ferguson race. But um, yeah, it, the, the, the news that accompanies... Reichert's announcement is that Dr. Raul Garcia is dropping out and will be endorsing Dave Reichert. And instead, he's going to run for Senate, which, you know, we can touch on that at a later date. But uh, that that's a tougher putt, I think, the, the Senate as opposed to uh, governor's race. But um, that that's interesting. I, I got to say, I applaud Dr. Garcia for that move. Yeah, yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. It is a tougher race. You'd have to put um, odds of Cantwell running for re-election are, I'd assume, pretty high. Um, and so any incumbency is going to present a much bigger challenge in an open seat. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I appreciate that Raul took that step uh, to, to drop out and endorse Riker. Because um, again, I think he recognizes that Riker has the best chance for us to take back the mansion. At the end of the day, it's about winning elections. Uh, so, no, I was I was pleasantly surprised by that. And uh, if and when he does announce, I, I wish him luck in uh, getting us new representation in the U.S. Senate as well. Yeah, and the I guess the other news in the gubernatorial race is that last night our home county, Benton County, decided to endorse Semi Bird who is the party chair of Benton County and uh, Richland School Board member. And he's so he's the other prominent, I, I guess, uh, Republican candidate at this point. But um, 
sort of surprising that they would do that the right when Dave Reichert is announcing and without having a visit from him, without checking his platform, without really doing the analysis of, hey, is is uh, is this our best chance? Yeah, I and and I'm uh, for those uh, listeners who can maybe tell, I'm actually in the car right now, so I don't have the computer in front of me. I wasn't able to see the announcement or any. Uh, um, anything written on, on their endorsement, but did they at all discuss, or do you know if any discussions were had about Rikert's entrance? Because uh, I, I would understand if it was some random city council member from uh, you know a 500 person city jumping into the race, but this is a multi-term congressman, a former sheriff, uh, a formidable candidate, and arguably the front runner already for the um, to get it to, to make it through the the primary, um, did they address it all? Why they didn't perhaps slow down and at least give Riker the opportunity to present himself? Um, I don't know. I uh, wasn't there, and you know, had had some conversations, but um, it, it's a good question. But I I wouldn't necessarily think that it's a body that wants to. Uh, look in the mirror and see what might be the best course of action. I think it's very uh, emotional driven decisions, but um, as you mentioned, multi-turn congressman, but coming out of King County, he's never lost an election in King County. And so the thing that speaks volumes is that you haven't heard a peep from the democratic party about semi bird um, or even really about Raul Garcia but immediately when news broke that Dave Reichert had filed with the PDC, you have the state Democrats of Washington attacking him on Twitter and elsewhere. So they see him as a threat. They apparently at this point don't see any of the other candidates as a threat. Yeah, and prior to this point, uh, uh, Ferguson, the leading Democrat, spent more time attacking uh, State Senator Mark Mullet That's right. than he had any of the Republican challengers at this, at this point. And I don't know if he said anything about Riker, but I did see a few things come out from the state party um, on this campaign. Yeah, so I guess remains to be seen. I certainly think that Dave Riker will be well-funded. Um, he has pretty much universal statewide name recognition, especially on the West Side. Uh, you know, obviously years ago being very involved with the capture of the Green River Killer, who I believe still lives or lives, <laughs> resides in uh, Walla Walla in the penitentiary down there. Um, as far as I know, he's still alive. But um, yeah, it. so I think this is an interesting dynamic. I do wish that Dave Reichert would have ran four years ago against Jay Inslee, you know, with the what was happening with COVID and already pretty fairly unpopular person, I would say, Jay Inslee, even amongst Democrats. I, I can't remember what his approval ratings were, but not high. He'd already served multiple terms. Um, I think Reichert had a shot at him then. Uh, you know, Reichert's a little older now, 71, 72. So, you know, whenever, whatever age he'll be when the election rolls around. And so, you know, you think four years from there and even possibly another four years from there. So it's, possible he decides hey i'm just going to do one term if that issue comes up and but we'll see yeah you make a good point i, I do wish he'd ran um certainly but 
I'd probably say his chances of, again, to the point about the challenge of any incumbent, regardless of perceived popularity, um, that's a real challenge. And so I, I think his best chance is probably this election. Uh, not only because, obviously not incumbent, but I don't know, and, and this isn't just me being unhappy with Bob Ferguson. I don't look at Bob Ferguson and see a deeply popular political figure across the state. I see a nakedly partisan individual that has garnered support in small wings of a very liberal party, um, primarily, you know, within basically from uh, Bellevue to Tacoma, perhaps, is, is his voting block right now. I I don't know that the, the political character he's created for himself is going to sell well in the other parts of the state. Sure, partisanship will get him a lot of votes, but the fact that a elected or formally elected King County Republican is running against him. Um, he's already answered one of the questions that has come up repeatedly in our show when talking about the success of the Republican Party and conservatism uh, on that side of the state, which is providing soft-leaning Democrats and independents, giving them the permission structure to vote Republican. Um, right. And I know, I, I think we've touched on this before, but Reichert's already Reichert's also coming in with a bit of an advantage, being that he's been out of elected office for a few years and avoided a lot of the mess that was the national scene. Could you imagine what kind of um, interviews and, and, and quotes he would have had to give in the last four, uh, four six years? I forget when he retired or uh, yeah, retired from Congress, but that, that's probably not selling too well in the state of Washington either. So the fact that he avoided a lot of that is I think going to be a much bigger upside relative to the name recognition he had leaving Congress. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, back on the Bob Ferguson point, I, I think you're spot on that he has certainly used his position to, well, I think obviously set up a run for governor, but he has weaponized his office to constantly try to make headlines of, you know, suing the Trump administration or, you know, anything he can do to push forward left-wing politics. And so that'll help him in the primary, which is obviously why he's the front runner and, you know, just, just the nature of being the attorney general. But yeah, I, with, uh, with Riker being able to be out of the picture for a few years, I think is, is a benefit, like you said. I mean, not only did he not have to defend uh, the Trump administration or involve himself with just the mess that was COVID and have to defend those positions or <laughs> stances on masks or anything like that. And not to say January, that January 6th and all yes, the... Yeah. Yeah. So all, all that stuff. So I'm not saying that it's uh, necessarily good to have to, or it not saying it's, good to be out of the loop or um, be able to avoid issues. But I think as far as from um, an electoral standpoint, it certainly has its advantages. And one thing I want to touch on is the the idea of establishment versus grassroots. Um, this is something that I've been, it, it's, it's even back, you know, with presidential politics and other um, races the the idea that the establishment is this uh 
cohort that gets together in an ivory tower and just passes down what they're going to do to to the people so you have candidates that are constantly describing themselves well i'm the grassroots candidate i'm the grassroots candidate they're the establishment and this has come up in the uh, gubernatorial race with semi bird uh, portraying himself as the grassroots candidate (laughs) and at at least within the last few weeks when Raul Garcia had entered the race, there were pretty blatant overtures to the idea that Raul Garcia was the establishment candidate. And I think if, uh, if you go listen to Semi's uh, interview with Brandy Cruz, he pretty much says exactly that. But um, it, I, I've, the thing that I find interesting about that um, is that the establishment one way you could describe that is the party apparatus. And when you have a county chair of one of the, one of the, like, what, 10th biggest county in the state, um, something like that, um, who's been endorsed by that county, who's been endorsed by Yakima yeah. and several other counties, yeah. that is the establishment. So if, if, you're sitting on the Washington State Republican board, which as a party chair, you are, you're the establishment. So it's fine to say, hey, we're going to have a grassroots campaign and we're going to um, visit every town and try and drum up support from from the base. And that's great. And, you know, more power to you for all the, the outreach. But um, just the idea that there's someone out there who has better name recognition and that automatically makes them the establishment and you're the grassroots I think is uh, untrue. Yeah. And oftentimes the establishment phrase is just meant as a stand in for other candidates. I mean, let's be honest, the, what is and is not establishment, I guess these days is kind of confusing because uh, you had whether it be at the presidential level when President Trump was then in office, um, all the way down to, you know, you see a number of congressional candidates who do this all the time where they've been in Congress for four or six years and will sit there and say they're the outsider. Um, you know, I don't, who knows, who knows what, what uh, establishment or outsider is these days anyway. Yeah, well, the parties have certainly gotten weaker back going back to campaign finance reform. So the party is weaker overall, and I don't I mean that Democrats, Republicans, both political parties are weaker. They have less say over what happens in their parties, which I, as Jonah and others have harped on, which is just there's no other system in the world, which not that we need to copy other systems, but um, where you have political parties that uh, don't choose their candidates, where anyone can say, hey, I'm a Republican, or hey, I'm a Democrat, and there they go. (laughs) So um, they don't have control over their brand. So I I think that that is part of it, for sure. But um, I think you're right back in the 20, when especially the 2016 presidential race, when Donald Trump entered the field, and, you know, obviously, he has a history of essentially being a New York Democrat, big government, um, on record, being adamantly pro-choice. Um, he enters the field and I, I, the Republican establishment, meaning the political party, uh, pushed back on him 
did not support him. Uh, there was efforts to get him to drop out or you know rally around a particular candidate, and that's unfortunately when you split the vote. Uh, yeah. doesn't happen. But with his populist message, he was able to win. And then now they, they still try to use that term, though, where previously I, I would say it was safe to say a valid point by Trump and his supporters that, hey, oh, uh, he's pushing back, back against the establishment and all that. Absolutely. But now he is the establishment. He's the yeah. ultimate establishment because he's the former president and the front runner. He has the part of the problem is now that he's previously he was an outsider now he's got all of his uh minions of support from around the country but the the idea that well mitch mcconnell is the establishment but donald trump is not is uh absurd yeah and i, I know and again maybe this is just me not being the most partisan of, of folks uh, but I still just don't understand the knock against being an establishment candidate. I mean, by by, you're absolutely right. On his re-election campaign, Trump was the establishment. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis could be considered the establishment. He's been in Republican elected politics yeah. for how many years now? Um, you know, and and that's fine. Um, you shouldn't have to run against being well-known or establishment, you should have to run against your record. So in the case of Dave Record, I'm sure there's a number of issues or hard votes he took in Congress that Semi and, and Bob Ferguson will go after. Um, you know, I just don't, and I, I don't understand the establishment outsider spirit when it comes from other elected officials. Now, Semi Bird is the CEO of some company out in Wenatchee and has never been in an elected office and isn't part of local Republican politics or isn't the county chair of this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, he's the outsider, but that's not the case. And so, and I, you know, I'm fine with that. I think we made this point before. I don't mind that the electrician I hire has years of experience uh, working as an electrician. So we should want our political leaders to have years of experience finding success and passing legislation in uh, different political venues. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I don't get it, Josh. I, I don't get it. Well, I, I guess I get it. I just, I'm saying I disagree with it. I, I think I, the reason I get it is it's a, they're using it as the, a pejorative. So um, they want to attack someone as, hey, look, they're the establishment. I'm the grassroots, and the reason that that message, well, I, sh I was about to say works, but it, I guess I'd say it resonates at least, is that from a populist message standpoint, the thought is, look, these guys have had their shot, and look at the state of the country, and they will say, look, uh, Dave Reichert had his time in Congress, and um he didn't push back against all these bills that happened. Um, and the, they can blame culture war things on anyone who's been in office and say, hey, look, they didn't fight. We need a fighter. And so that's why we need an outsider. And so that's, and again, that's exactly how Donald Trump got elected is he came in and started with the populist message of you know, immigration and, and other things where um, 
he could blame that the establishment Republicans back then, you know, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, and, and so forth, uh, they haven't done anything about that issue. So it's sort of a it's sort of a blank check in a way that, hey, look, uh, I, <laughs> I don't have a record to run on. This <laughs> other guy does. So I'm going to use this message. It's, it's a deflection to be able to say, I don't have a record to run on. This guy does. So let's just talk about the things that they haven't been able to accomplish. And I'm going to go do them. And never mind the fact that, no, you won't. Um, you know, I'm still waiting for this wall that we were promised and the payments from Mexico. But uh, it's still talking points. But anyway, harped on that enough, I think. But that's just something that's been... It's, you know, anytime, and you know, Semi, to his credit, he's been endorsed by a handful of counties now. You know, probably five or six. I don't, I don't know. Um, but you can't say you're not the establishment candidate when you're on the board of the Washington State Republican Party, and uh, you're a party chair, and you've been endorsed by multiple county parties. So, um, anyway. That's that's entirely fair. I'll uh, I'll concede that perhaps uh, politically, um, I may not know something that Semi does, and we'll see if the establishment um, claim against record or whatever uh, sticks. But I'm I'm more curious at this point, not to switch gears, but um, I'm more curious to see what your thoughts are on. Let's just say that Riker gets through the primary, and it's him and Bob. Assume it's Riker and Ferguson and the general. What what sort of message does Riker present to keep voters excited in Eastern Washington and the better part of the parts of the state, while also picking up a number of voters that he'll need in King County? What kind of what kind of vision does he present? And I guess part of that, and maybe it's the same answer. What are the issues that you see conservatives winning on in that part of the state that he can perhaps pick up and and make uh, as you know, pillars of, of his campaign. Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty easy to point to things that Jay Inslee has and the Democrats have screwed up and that are unpopular. So gas prices, uh, crime, homelessness, I just even just like urban development policies where, you know, I think we talked about this in a previous episode or maybe I just harp on this all the time. Um, there are bread and butter Republican issues like, you know, supporting small businesses, like uh, taxes. And these are issues that Republicans can win on in cities. It's just that we don't have, we don't have the right messengers at this point. We're, we're too enthralled with culture war issues. So, you know, I think obviously Democrats are going to be trying to hit Dave Reichert on abortion and make the entire thing about abortion. But, I think he's got to come out early with a stance and say, hey, I'm, I'm pro-choice, but the people of the state have spoken, and I pledge, I'm making this up, but I pledge that I'm going to respect the will of the voters and something like that. Is, um, is he pro-choice or did he, was he no, pro-life? No, he's, he's pro-life. Did I say pro-choice? Okay, he's pro-life. He said, yeah, just wanted to, wanted to correct that on the record there. All right, <laughs> sorry. So he, he, he is pro-life. Um, so, yeah, he, if... He comes out and says, look, I'm pro-life, but I'm going to respect the will of voters. This issue has been decided by the state of Washington. That's what the voters want. I'm here to talk about crime and gas prices and um, homelessness and, and those issues. So um, 
I, there's there's just lots of areas in that regard. I, I think gas prices is a huge issue right now. I mean, everyone's feeling it. And I, we did talk, I know we said we weren't going to do this. We did talk about this on the 4th of July episode that's uh, lost. But um, the the fact that, and we I do want to save that topic because we, we got more into just the idea of just gaslighting and politicians being dishonest. But um, just focusing on the fact that we have the highest gas prices in the nation and the homelessness issue is spreading throughout the state. Like right now, they're doing a cleanup of Seattle in advance of the All-Star game, which is just an embarrassment that we even have to, to do that. And it's also, it's, it's inhumane in the sense that, look, you had no problem with these people living in there and living in squalor, and then now you're going to go sweep them out only now? If either either you need to sweep the camps out or you don't, but to do it days before the All Star Game, uh, strictly because it would be an embarrassment to the city, is obviously just it's just done for optics and uh, ridiculous. So the city's gone to hell. It, yeah. So I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I think that certainly there are issues that will resonate with people. Uh, no matter where you are on the political aisle. So I think just he needs to ham- hammer crime, gun, uh, I was about to say, stay away from gun control. Yeah, um, yeah. So crime and uh, homelessness and, uh, yeah, taxes and budget, like the fact that our that we keep increasing spending every year and um, – you know, I know people like services and don't necessarily think about the fact that you got to pay for it somehow. Yeah, you're, you're, you, you brought up a lot of the, the same issues that I was, I was thinking of as well. Uh, crime, obviously a very big one, not just in Seattle, that's where it's probably most commonly um, uh, brought up in, in, in the media, but it's something that I think is being felt across the state. Um, of course, the homelessness, homelessness issue is, is one where I think uh, not to sound as if I'm endorsing in any way Marco Rubio's compassionate conservatism. I think that's what it was, or common good conservatism. But I think if I think if you can speak to that issue in a compassionate way, um, which I, I think conservatives have have, have uh, led on, if only those policies have been put in place, then I think there's plenty of room um, to pick up voters there and, and maintain support in Eastern Washington. Um, I, yeah, his, his his time as a sheriff gives him a very strong leg to stand on when it comes to talking about public safety and crime. And then, yeah, I think you, you would think that anytime you tell folks, hey, I'm gonna take less of your money, uh, that would be a winning message, but it's obviously not that simple. Um, but you combine that with with the gas prices, with just general inflation. I know there's not a whole lot that the governor of Washington state can do about inflationary pressures um, but you combine that mix and into a public that i'm sure is feeling pinched um with every month of paycheck that is going to be a well on taxes it's it's i think that's right that we've we get hit by taxes in so many different angles that and a lot of it's also just buried in our paychecks you know the long-term payroll long-term care payroll tax just went into effect this last week and those things we just sort of tend to move on. It gets absorbed into our our life and our budgets, and we just have the cash that we have. 
but I think when people go to the gas pump and see that price, my question is basically going to be, is he going to run against Bob or is he going to run against Enzo? Because I feel like president Obama in 2008 ran against Bush, not really McCain. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's right. And like, yeah, if they, t- I mean, I, I think they can do the work of tying those two together. Look at uh, uh, the Ferguson Ferguson administration would be a fourth term of Jay Inslee. And so do we want more of that? Do we want these high gas prices? Do we want rampant crime? And look, there's a lot of bills that the Democrats have crammed through that are unpopular. Like even um, the long-term payroll tax that we just went into a long-term care payroll tax that just went into effect last week. My understanding, that's not very popular program. They were supposed to go back. They, they paused it. They, we're supposed to fix it and they didn't. So now it's just here. It's a mess. People are paying more for something that has very little benefit. They haven't figured out what they're going to do about people who um, move out of state or um, are, there's just all sorts of holes in the program. So there's um, nuts and bolts issues that we can hit them on. I think if any conversation that Dave Reichert has needs to be centered around gas prices and um, crime and homelessness and those those issues that are impacting our cities and throughout the state. So um, I, I think that that's the winning message. Obviously, they're going to, from the other side, try and drag them into culture war things, and I would just stay out of that stuff. Yeah, and no, I, I agree, and I, I think he's – you don't want him King County by accident. He's obviously a disciplined campaigner and uh, smart uh, campaigning and so i i'm excited to see what his what his race brings and more maybe this is a optimist in me but i'm hopeful that he helped return the ambition and hope to our statewide republican party back in was it 2010 where we picked up a bunch of seats in the state senate and the house where we had uh, the majorities there in the legislature um, there was a lot of hope that things were turning around for Republicans in the state, and that quickly that quickly dwindled. And so I, I hope that, regardless of the outcome, uh, though Governor Riker would be far preferable to uh, Ferguson, uh, but regardless of the outcome, that his campaign can return a bit of that pep and uh, uh, normalcy and, and drive to Republicans, and by extension, as we've talked about, conservatism, because. Uh, at the moment, things look a tad bleak. Well, it's unfortunate with the state of the state that the Republican Party was unable to add any seats in the House or Senate this last election. But I think you're right that we need some hope from the top. And I will say it again, just Donald Trump has been just this cloud over the Republican Party. And like him or not, He's not popular in the state of Washington. He is despised in the state of Washington. The, the polling on that has been done. So anyone who wants to say, hey, we just need to double down and do more Trump, more of that, uh, push harder, fight harder, cram a conservative message down everyone's throat, that's just a recipe for failure in the state of Washington. So I think if Reichert runs a moderate campaign and that doesn't mean, you know, you go squishy soft on bread and butter Republican issues. That means you focus on the issues that the voters in the state of Washington, the independents, 
the um, soft Democrats focus on the issues that matter to them, and you can see some success. But I think it starts at the top. Uh, people saw Lauren Culp as just an extension of Donald Trump. But I think someone like Dave Reichert has an opportunity, as you stated, to clean up the Republican Party, uh, get it focused back on the issues that matter to the the voters in the state of Washington, and just and not not just issues that matter to Republicans and conservatives. So uh, it's an opportunity there, and we'll see. It's uh, it's early. It's going to be a long year and three or four months, but um, looking forward to see what happens in that race and others. And uh, we'll keep this episode brief. As uh, Ken mentioned, he was driving, and I think we just lost him. But anyway, though, sure there'll be more developments in this race, and we will keep discussing it. And we're looking forward to having some guests on very soon. So we'll uh, talk to you soon.